0: Welcome back to part two of this series we're, call, we're calling I Choose. And the idea is that the life I'm living right now, all the stuff that's going on in my life is the result of the choices that I have made in the past. Or, you know, that saying that's been around a long time, we make our decisions and then our decisions turn around and make us. We 're the sum total of the choices that we 've made, and the choices that we 're making right now they 're going to determine what 's going to happen in our lives tomorrow, so we 're focusing on some big uh, big choices and little choices under those. Last week, we talked about choosing purpose over popularity. God has a purpose for our life, uh, uh, but sometimes instead of living for what God created us to be, we try to live to please people and make people happy, and you can't do that. You can please God, but you cannot please people. Everybody will just be disappointed in you somewhere along the line. Next week, we're going to talk about choosing discipline over regret. We're all going to experience some pain in our life. Nobody's life is pain-free. I don't care what you do, you cannot live a pain-free life. And so you can choose the pain of discipline, that is, for right now, uh, doing the right thing, kind of like the pain of exercise. You can choose that. Or you can experience the pain of regret, that is, because you didn't do the right thing, you can experience that pain later. We're going to talk about that next week, but for today, it's I choose surrender over control. Surrender over control. Now, did you get that order the couple was making there, you know, where the waiter says, well, may I get you this evening? And the woman says, I think I'll have, and the guy breaks in, you know, he says, "Uh, I'll order for us. He's taking uh, control of the situation, right? We'll split the absolute perfection. But instead of anxiety, could I get a flawless side of raised expectations, please? You see everything that's involved there. And the waiter says, of course, how would you like your circumstances? And he looks at her and he says, micromanage? Yeah, we'll have them micromanage. And please tell the chef that no matter how well he prepares it, I'll be dissatisfied. we Will do, sir. And then the guy says, and could we please have some 38% shinier silverware? And at the close, you know, the, the couple joins hands and the guy says, what a close to but night, not quite perfect evening. I've been to dinner with some folks like that before, by the way. I, you knew before they got there, nothing was going to be right, you know, because you, you got to be perfect for them. And they're going to send something back, and they're going to complain about something. The portions aren't big enough. They're not cooked exactly Right. Well, we all have some things that we like to control in this life. You may not think about yourself as being a c- control freak. You might say, yeah, but I'm married to a control, control freak, or my boss is a control freak, or my mom is a control freak, uh, or somebody I know is a control freak. Now, I will freely admit that I have some control issues in my life. Uh, earlier on, I, I, this is one area I've kind of gotten over with, but if somebody gave me a gift I always took it back and traded it in for what I really wanted. You ever, have you ever been that way? I, this, well, what's worth? Why do you want to waste money on this? Let me go get what I really wanted to start with. Now I'm better at that. Now I learned to appreciate the gift itself and the fact that somebody thought enough of me that they got something for me. And I've even found out that there's some times when what I thought I wanted wasn't really the best thing for me, that what the gift that I got was even better. Now, there are still some issues I like to control. We'll just talk about the little ones instead of the big ones. Uh, I still like uh, the tissue in the bathroom to roll over the top, not against the wall. I mean, this does a- it's absolutely no sense whatsoever. It's got to roll over the top. Uh, and, 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 and in our house, you know, we have some... Uh, Dual light switches where you can, no matter what end of the room you go into, I like them in a certain order. You know, I like this one down and that one up, and that's the way it's gotta be. If not that way, then I'm switching them around. Now, and when we're driving, you know, I I might have been to the I might have, you know, had my eyes checked and be dilated and Jean might be driving, but I can still see enough to say, why didn't you turn there? Why didn't you get in this lane instead of being in that lane? So I I know none of you ever do anything like that. Jean thinks it's all stupid, but she cooperates with it for the most part. She of course has hardly any control issues at all. Maybe a little family control issue, but other than that, you know, she's just about perfect. But how about you? How about you? What do you like control? We can laugh about stuff like that because don't we all have some of those kinds of things that we're just, it's not that way. I'm just going to, I believe I'm going to blow my head off. It doesn't really make any difference, but we're a little bit in the do it my way, the only right way, or how about this? If you want something done right, what? Do it yourself. That's right. If you want something done right, you do it yourself. That's the control freak within us uh, is you, you, if you don't do it exactly my way here let me take that and I'm going to do it. So today we're talking about trying to co- control things that are out of our control. Now there are some things we're supposed to control but we're talking about trying to control things that are out of our control. And when we do that, what we're trying to do is to be God, because there's some things we're supposed to let God take care of. We think we're God. We think we know the best. We think it's our way is the only right way. So we're going to start by reading a couple of verses from the book of Proverbs. These verses are very familiar to, uh, to many of you, uh, well-known, but difficult to live up to like a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that's very simple. You just do this and you say, yeah, but that's, that's really hard. Well, these verses, are like that. So we're going to be asking God to help us live out these verses from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter three and verse five says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's kind of the way that last song that we sang ended. Wasn't it about with all my heart? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Let's let's go back. Trust. Uh, I I, I read a, a of an ancient definition for trust it says it says properly it means to high for refuge to high for refuge well I didn't know what high meant h-i-e like, like that no that's not what the word high the high the word high means to go quickly and so this word trust uh, uh in its basic form means to go quickly go quickly to the lord Go with all your heart. Go quickly. Don't wait and wait and wait and wait before you go to the Lord. Don't, don't try everything there is in the world before you go to the Lord, but quickly go to the Lord, put your trust in him, put your confidence in, in him, be bold, uh, in him because you know that he is God trust in the Lord with all your heart. So if you're a believer in God, if you're a follower of Jesus, how much of your heart do you trust to God? You know, in Jeremiah's prophecy in the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, he says that the human heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurably wicked. And sometimes the heart refers to the, uh, our, our emotions and sometimes it refers to our intellect or our will. But, you know, I think basically it's just kind of the basis of who we are, the basis of who we are. Trust in the Lord with all of your being. Place your whole trust in God. And, and if you're a follower of Christ and if you're a believer in God, you just have to ask yourself that question, how much of my heart, myself, do I really trust to God on an everyday basis? And then it says, lean not on your own understanding. You know what it means to lean on something. If you trust something, you'll put your weight against it. Uh, and if it's ever let you down, you know, and you fell, fell down, well then you're probably not going to trust it the next time. So don't trust in the way you understand everything. But instead, trust in God. Put your confidence in God. And then in the sixth verse, it says this, in all your ways, acknowledge him or acknowledge God, and he shall direct your path. The way is just a road, a path that you travel. And so in every path you go down in life, in every direction every, uh, in your life, uh, acknowledge God. And the word acknowledge there means know God intimately. Put him first, submit to him, And so in every decision you make, in every path you take in life, always think about God. Always put God first. Always give yourself over to God and say, Lord, you know, I'm looking at this and this is what I see here, but, but help me out to be sure that it's the right thing. In all your ways, put God first. Every path, put God first and he shall direct your path. He will make your path straight and even and pleasant and good. And right. Now, you know, we all know this. We've been all been certain about some stuff in our lives, and we did it, and boy, that was a, boy, was that the wrong thing to do. We realized pretty quickly that it was the wrong thing to do. So in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. When we submit everything to God, when we allow him to be in control, he will take care of things. Now, there's some stuff that we're supposed to control, but there's some stuff that we can't control. And when we try to control what we shouldn't be controlling, what happens is we make a mess. And we've all made some messes in our lives. Don't let don't anybody look at anybody else and say, well, not me, I've been perfect. No, we've all messed up royally in some ways. Now, there are some things that, as I said, that God wants you to control. You have responsibilities. For instance, uh, it's 10 o'clock. Remember, it used to be this commercial it used to be on television. It's 10 o'clock in the evening. Do you know where your child is? Well, Is he two or is he 12 or is he 22 or 32? Do you pay his bills? Does he live at your house? But you know what I'm talking about. You've got some responsibilities with your children. Or you're supposed to be at work or in class at 8 o'clock in the morning. Where are you? That's not somebody else's. You can't blame that on somebody else. Where are you? That's your responsibility. What we're going to do, we're going to take a look at a. At a passage of scripture that's a good example of control gone bad, you know, where where these people decided they were gonna do things their way, and boy, did they mess things up, and it's affecting us even today. The story is of a couple named Abram and Sarai. Now, later God changed their names to Abraham and Sarah, but they had some control issues in their life. Most of you know that God made some promises to them. God chose Abram, whose name became Abraham. He's the father of the Israelite nation, but also the father of the Arab nations as well. And he said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And I'm going to give your descendants this land of Canaan uh, that you're in, or you're going to, which is basically the land of Israel. Now, So God made that promise to Abram and Sarai, and years went by, and years went by, 10 years or more went by, and they didn't even have a single child, and they were getting on up in years. And so here's what happened. They decided to take things into their own hands to control what they should not control. God said, I will make a great nation out of you. But Sarah, Sarai, with Abram's compliance, decided to do something on her own. Or they decided to do something. You know, I made a statement in our nine o'clock class this morning that we get the idea that <clears throat> that women were just possessions in the ancient world. And indeed, from a legal perspective, they were. But they were greatly influential in what happened, and that was certainly the case here. So in Genesis chapter 16 and verse 1, Scripture says this. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. Now, Sarai and Abram became impatient with God's timing. God said, I'm going to take care of this. But they decided maybe we need to take care of it. So they decided they could handle the situation better on their own in a culturally acceptable way. This this does not seem kind of right to us, but it was very culturally acceptable. Verse 2, so Sarai said to Abram, see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. It's God's fault. God has not done what he said he was going to do, so it's God's fault. The Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of, of Sarah. So Sarah, said, God's not doing what he was supposed to be. So I shall obtain children. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to get this situation in control. And I said before, while such an arrangement was known and accepted, uh, in, uh, as, as a cultural norm in the ancient world, it was not God's will. Verse three, then Sarah, Abram's wife took Hagar, her handmaid, the Egyptian and gave her to her husband, Abram to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt 12 years, in the 10 years, excuse me, in the land of Canaan. So it's just at least 10 years after the promise and these people are getting on in age. And Abram did what Sarah uh, designed. That's like Adam followed Eve, Abram followed Sarai. Verse 4. So he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Like all of a sudden the servant girl thought, "Yeah, I'm in charge now." Verse 5. Then Sarai said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. You know what that means? It's your fault, buddy. <laughs> you know, it's your fault uh, that this is happening. Like, this. anybody ever do that to you? They point their finger. That's your fault. I wanted to do it, but it's your fault. May my wrong, my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me. Now that's the story. That's what happened. <clears throat> now. The rest of the story is where we see what a big mess comes from a decision to overrule what God's will is. Now, Hagar had, this slave girl from Egypt, had a son, and his name was, anybody know? Ishmael. Yeah, Ishmael was his, his name. Later, Sarai, past the age of being able to bear children, also had a son, and his name was? Isaac, right. He was the son of the promise according to the scripture. Now from Ishmael descended the Arab nations, the Palestinians, Muhammad, and the religion of Islam. Now it's more complicated than that because a guy by the name of Esau got in on it and because Abram after Sarah died, Abraham married again and, and uh, this, this woman by the name of Keturah uh, gave him six sons later in life. But basically, what happened is that because of this decision, Ishmael was born, and Ishmael becomes the father of the Arab nations and of Muhammad and of the Islamic nation today, nations today, or religion today. From the son of the promise, Isaac, came the Israelite nation, and Judaism. And then Jesus, and then Christianity. Now you can see, you know what's going on in the world today. I don't have to rehearse that. Well, I say we kind of know what's going on in the world today. I don't know if we know completely, but we know looking back at this and knowing the conflict that exists in our world today, we understand that this decision that they made to override God's will and try to control something that was not theirs to control has created a lot of of issues. And those issues didn't go away with Abram and Sarai. It's likely, you know, we're, we're not probably involved in anything that big, but it's likely that you and I are being tempted or will be tempted to take care, control of something in our lives that we should not control. For instance, perhaps you're a single Christian and you know that you should marry a Christian that perfect guy or that perfect girl doesn't see, seem to be around, but there is this good looking guy or this, this good looking girl over here who you're kind of attracted to, and so you know it's probably not the right thing to do, but you decided I'll just go ahead and date them anyway. Or maybe you're struggling financially, and you know you've been around church and studied the Bible enough to know that as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, that a part of your worship to God is to give a portion of your income to Him. It's called the tithe or the 10%. It's part of offering your body as a living sacrifice and the, the your true worship to God. It's freeing if you do, and God will bless you if you do that. But you know, you, you, under, you got a lot of bills to pay and, and you decide to take control of it yourself and not do what God said to do because you know a little bit better and you'll take care of doing the right thing once you get everything fixed and in order the way you want it to be. And we can talk about parents controlling children. Uh, whatever kids around say, yeah, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the old man and the old woman there that try to control my life too much. Well, I'm not talking about making kids take a bath and brush their teeth and go to church and eat their vegetables and do their homework and stuff like that. That's where you are in control. That's where you are supposed to make some some guidelines. But uh, I'm talking about things like doing everything for your child so that they'll get good grades and look good and have great identity. Do their homework for them. Bail them out. Every time they get in a conflict or a fight, you step in there and bail them out uh, of that. Uh, in your search engine on your computer, just, just put in helicopter parenting, and you'll get all kinds of articles uh, along this but along this line. But that's, not, that's the wrong thing to do. If you control too much, you don't ever let them fail. You don't ever let anything bad happen. And we as parents, we love them so much, we want everything to be perfect in their life. But the older they get, the less control we have in that situation. By the way, one study finds that the more money parents spend on their child's college education, the worse the grades the child makes. The more money, the the worse the grades are. Uh, Another study finds that eight percent of recent college graduates take a parent with them on their job, first job interviews. Three percent actually want mama sitting with them when they're doing their first job interview. Now that's a little too far. Don't you agree? I mean, by that time, you, you got to stand on your own somewhere along the line You see what I'm talking about. So there are areas where we all, I admit, I'm, I'm in the group. There are areas where we all want to control what we should not be controlling. So as an exercise, and I realize you can't do this, but think about this. If you have to get a bulletin, there's an outline in there and you can do this later, but write down the name of the area you're trying to control. Just give it a name. That may be a person's name. I want John to get straightened out. You know, so uh, John is, uh, or it, it, it could be a, a thing or a circumstance. Uh, are you trying to control your, your husband or your wife or your grown kids or maybe your future in a way that you can't control it? Uh, and, and for the last few minutes this morning, what we're going to do is answer this question. Is, is this something, this thing that I write down, this thing that I just admit to myself that I'm trying to control I should not, is this something that really is mine to control? Or is this something that I'm supposed to trust to the Lord? Trust to the Lord with all my heart, And Lean not on my own understanding, right? So here it is three questions that will help you choose surrender over control and the first one about this thing What this thing that's not my thing but your thing, you know, whatever thing we each have is it worth my concern now? That takes a lot of wisdom to know is it worth my concern you got to choose your battles You can't fight everything that comes along you choose what is worth my time as a pastor I hear all kinds of things all the time that I disagree with. I mean, just about everywhere I go, somebody says something uh, that uh, I believe is not the right thing. If I spoke up and argued every time I hear something that I thought was wrong, I'd just be arguing with people all the time. Nobody would want to be around me. I wouldn't want to be around myself because it's not that big a deal. First of all, I'm not right all the time. I just think I am, but I'm not right uh, all the time, Uh, and, and, and and. Even though I don't get it right all the time, I try to pick my battles, you know, and say I'm gonna. When it's important enough, when it's really worth my concern, then I'm gonna stand up and I'm gonna try to do the right thing. Uh, Think about this, if you will, in relationships. Whatever it might be, you can have control or you can have intimacy, but you can't have both. You cannot control that other person uh, in a relationship. Uh, You can you can control yourself. You can try to do the right thing yourself. You can try to have the right relationship with that person, but you cannot control that other person. Uh, here is a kind of a general principle along that line: It's this in leadership, whatever that might be, uh, you can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have or, or I mean, you can uh, you can't have both. And that growth is the creativity part of it. You let some you let some small things slide. That don't matter much you know you you don't try to make everything exactly the way you think it should be not everything is worth a war Uh, we have an introduction to membership class around here before you join the church we have a little you know just go over some things and we say this even about what the bible teaches we say in essential belief we have unity that is there are some things if we're going to work together as a church we all have to believe in non-essential beliefs we have liberty that is we are we are free to disagree with each other. In all our beliefs, we show charity or love. And so when it's coming down to, the, to, to this question, is it worth my concern? Uh, we ask, will it matter down the road? Is this going to make any difference five years from now? Well, it's the principle of the thing. A lot of people have gotten themselves in trouble over the principle of the thing. When Brad and Todd, our two sons, were growing up, I did not allow them to eat in the car because I kept a clean car. No eating in the car. My g- grandchildren have pretty much been able to eat and drink whatever they chose uh, whenever they ride anywhere with me. Why is that? Well, is it because I got soft-hearted in, in, you know, hearted or soft-headed in my old age? No, it's because I began to understand this is not going to last very long. <laughs> you know? I'm only going to have these little messy kids riding around with me for a little while, and then they're going to grow on beyond me and not going to want to ride around with me uh, anymore. And so Uh, I kind of got over that. You let some minor things go so you can stand for some major things. By the way, I find this is true. Just an observation and in my own life that people that just hard or hard, hard, hard on every little thing, they let the big things slide and the bad things go by. So is this worth my concern? Is this worth getting upset over? Is it worth driving my wife crazy? Uh, Over? Is it worth ruining the intimacy of our relationship over? Three questions that will help me uh, uh, choose surrender over control. The first is Is it worth my concern? And the second one is This Is it mine to control? Is this something I should do something about? Sometimes it is. You know, sometimes it is yours to control. Sometimes you do need to take charge of a situation. Think about this statement There's a big difference between surrendering control and relinquishing responsibility. We all have some responsibilities in our life. I shouldn't be a control freak. I shouldn't try to have everything my way all the time, but I can't relinquish responsibility. There are things that God holds me responsible for. If you again get back talk about finances and this why do you talk about that stuff all the time? Because that's where we all have problems. That's why I, we all all have some money problems. <clears throat> if your finances are messed up, You just don't sit around and say, well, God will take care of it. God's going to take care of it. Because God's saying, hey, I gave you the ability to take care of some of those things. Get a job or a second job. Spend less. Give more. Live for me. Then I'm going to meet your needs. Or if your marriage is in trouble, you can pray about it, and you should. But you can also do some stuff. You can examine your heart and say, is my heart right? You can can say, am I making my marriage a top priority in my life? Is my spouse the most important person in my life? You can talk more. You can spend more time doing fun stuff together. Don't just do busy stuff together. Do fun stuff together. You might need to do counseling, but, but you can do some stuff. If your child is making some bad decisions based on his or her age you want to be sure that you've set the right boundaries and guidelines for them you always want to be available to your child make sure the lines of communication are open you want that child to know that he or she is loved and that you're willing to do whatever it takes to love them and take care of them but there's some stuff that you can do if you're single and you're serious about getting married what do you do well uh, you, you, you join every dating site there is on the internet. Is that, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm absolutely opposed to that, but the first thing you do is you get your own life right with God. That's the first thing you do, and you serve Him. And you start acting like an adult. If you're a young man, you brush your teeth and take a bath, put on deodorant, get a job, quit playing video games all day long, grow up, you know, be a man. Uh, I always remember, you know, there are things you remember in your life and other people don't remember the same thing, but my dad was the middle son of three sons. Uh, the older son was the fun son. His name was Charlie, that my uncle Charlie. He was also an alcoholic and I still remember uh, Charlie and he died, you know, as a result of his alcoholism. But, but I can remember uh, hearing my dad and Charlie talking to each other and my dad and mom, you know, they got married and they stayed married until until dad passed away. Uh, and Charlie had been married multiple times. And I can remember him crying uh, to my dad and saying, I don't how did you find a woman, you know, a, a good woman to marry? And I can always remember dad saying, Well, Charlie, I didn't find her in a bar. Because that's where my Uncle Charlie found all of his wives. He found them at the bar. Now I'm not saying that 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 there aren't good women there. I'm just saying that's not the place to go look. That's not the way to 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 search out uh, a, a life mate. So if you're, if you're single and you're serious about marriage, there are some things that you can do about it. So three questions. First one, is it worth my concern? Second, is it, it mine to control? Here's the last one. Is it for God alone? Because there are some areas in life, situations, things, people, parts of situations that we simply and absolutely cannot control. We may desperately want to control that person, but, but they are not within our control. We're going to look at some examples for a minute, but first we're going to look at a passage of Scripture. And If you're in my uh, Tuesday night uh, Bible study house group, Gene cooks for us, that kind of thing. Uh, we looked at these verses a couple of weeks ago, but when Paul the Apostle was in prison in Rome, he wrote a letter to a church in a, northern, a city in northern Greece called Philippi. In Philippians 4, verse 6, he said this, Be anxious for nothing. You know what being anxious means? It's all keyed up thinking the world's going to come to an end. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, Th- supplication is when we ask God for stuff, with thanksgiving, while being thankful for what God does, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, the New Living Translation of that same verse, I think, explains it very well. It says this, don't worry about anything, but in, in everything by, excuse me, but, excuse I'm going to go back to the beginning, I was reading the wrong one. Don't worry about anything, instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Well, how can I not have anxiety? How can I not just be all in a wad about some things? Well, by praying about everything. If you don't want to be in a wad and all anxious about certain things, you pray about everything. Not just that thing, but you pray about everything. Let me ask you a question. Who prayed about everything this last week? Thank you for not raising your hand. Neither did I. You know, why don't we do that? Well, it's just easier not to. We just don't think about, about it. Pray about everything. Prayer is not a last resort. It's a first line of defense. And all things are possible with God. He can do anything. I'm not saying he will do anything, but he can do anything. And you go with thanksgiving because he loves you. He cares about you. He cares about every little thing in your life. He knows what's best for you. He forgives you. Uh, and and, and, and he, he thinks about you even when you don't think about him. And we do those things, we get to verse six, 7. Verse 6 says again, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, lest your requests be n- made known unto God. And verse 7 says, And the peace of God. That's what I want, don't you? Peace. I just like to have a little peace in my life. I like to be able to relax without all these bad thoughts coming into my head. And the peace of God, which transcends, surpasses anything I can understand, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Even in those areas where you have no control, God can give you a supernatural peace. Even if things aren't working out the way you want them to work out, God can give you a supernatural peace. Your marriage is in trouble. You're doing everything you can, but your spouse continues to go off the deep end. Can you change that person? The answer is absolutely not. You cannot change that person. You can drive them crazy. You can make them miserable, but you cannot change them. God can. That's why you turn them over to God. Can you physically heal your body or the body of someone you love? Well, you can eat right. You can exercise. You can go see your doctor regularly and follow his advice. But if you or somebody you love gets cancer or Parkinson's or some other terrible disease in this broken World, you can't heal that. You can go to the doctor, you can follow the doctor's instructions, you can take the treatments, you can't heal that, but God can. You can turn it over completely to Him and let Him give you peace and let Him do what He will. We'd all like to control our children's future. You know, get, take a look at that that beautiful little baby to start with. And then as we just love them just as much and even more, the older they get, the more uh, we love them. And we want everything to turn out perfect in their life. We want to control them. We want to, you know, uh, we want to keep them from getting hurt in any way whatsoever. We can raise them to the best of our ability and we can protect them as much as possible. But you know what's going to happen somewhere along the line? Somebody who does not have your child's best interest at heart is going to get in there and they're going to do something that hurts. And there's not a thing in the world you're going to be able to do to stop that from happening. And, 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 And that child of yours who's had every advantage is going to make some bad decisions somewhere along the line. And there's nothing you can do about that. So you invest in your child and you pray for your child and you trust it to the Father in heaven with all your heart. And when you do everything... That God wants you to do, and you trusted to Him. There's going to be some good things. I'm not saying everything that's going to happen is going to be good, but there's going to be some good things that are going to result. We all face all kinds of things in life. Some we control, some we can't. You know, it's hard to know the difference. That's where another place where prayer comes in. But remember to ask these three questions. Number one is this: Is it, my, is it worth my concern? Is this, is this worth me driving my self crazy about? Number two. Is it mine to control? Is this something that God wants me to take care of? He's given me the ability to take care of it. Is it something that God's given me control? And number three is this: Is it for God alone? Is this something that I can't control? I cannot control this person over here. I should not control this person over here at this stage in their life, anyway. And so I turn it over to God. In every case, we should do this: choose surrender over control. That's what it's about. I choose. If we can at least think about that, we're not going to get it perfect. We can at least think about that, can't we? I choose surrender over control. I'm going to read you these two verses and then we're going to pray. All right. Proverbs 3, 5 says this, trust, flee as quickly as you can to the Lord with all your heart, not part of it, but with everything within you and lean not to your own understanding. Don't depend on your understanding of every situation in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Let's pray. Father, I know you're here with us today and I think we all want to do that. I think we all want to choose surrender over control. And I think we all understand that if we have some responsibilities and we should do the things that you have told us to do. But sometimes we just can't control things. And we need to turn that over to you, turn everything over to you. But especially in those situations, realize that you're going to have to take care of it and then have the peace that you can give us. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.